Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. All right, so here we are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin today. Uh, Justin, unsupervised, no Sarah, no Charlie. But with me, I've got two guests that uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. But in advance, uh, forgive us for the background noise. We are in a hotel lobby. It's happy hour. People are having a great time, and we're going to have a great time. So uh, I'll let you guys uh, introduce yourselves. Hey, uh, how are you doing? This is Scott Oakley. So I've got about, oh, 26, 27 years industrial manufacturing, everything from a little bit of field service, system integration, product management, sales, marketing, um, the whole nine yards. Uh, I'm Sam. I'm just now getting into the industry. Um, I got my first real job working this year, and so I'm kind of giving my take on the education experience of it so far. Awesome. Awesome. So when you say you got your first job, have you finished school yet or you're still working through it? Uh, Still working through it. I'm just finishing up at the end of this year, hopefully. Okay. And your education is in? Uh, I believe the official degree is uh, Automation Systems Technician. Awesome. Or Automation Systems. Awesome. Uh, And it's a two-year associate's degree. Okay. Where's that through? Uh, Through WCTC or Waukesha County Technical College offers this one. Perfect. Um, And when you say you got a job, give us a little, what's job number one for you? Yeah. uh, Currently, I work with engineering specialists. based in uh, Brookfield. And so they do a lot of um, mass assembly and uh, custom panel assembly. And so currently I'm working uh, on a project um, building um, wiring harnesses. This is kind of my first experience in the industry so far. Building machinery to build a wiring harness then? Or you guys are assembling the harnesses themselves? We're assembling all of the harnesses, doing all of the wiring and then uh, wiring up the panels as well. Very cool, very cool. So I guess, you know, I, I think back to my background starting out as a, so I started out as a field service guy, right? Mm-hmm. So it was build a panel, fly around the world, turn it on and hope nothing blows up, right? <laughs> um, I, I think that's kind of how you got started too, right? Yeah, that's very similar to how I got started. So I started in field service just like you, spent about five years in field service and it was the same way. It was either, you know, I, I built a panel kind of in the lab or I would go out and, and do some raw assembly in the field, swap out components, turn your head, throw the switch, let, hopefully the, the smoke didn't come out and uh, yeah. go from there. Well, and it, it makes me giggle too, because I remember the first time I saw the Arclatch gear guy show up. Have you ever seen this guy before? I think so, With yeah. With like we've the got black a couple, shield and... Not quite that intense, but every time our um, the QC guys show up, it's it's on all gray, you know, the Arclatch gloves all... Not quite as intense, but definitely all the PPE for turning everything on the first time was kind of funny looking at. Yeah, and I, I remember as a machine builder, we never worried about that, right? And no. I didn't know what Arc Flash was until I got to Rockwell, and then somebody showed me one of our big, like, MCC things exploding in, like, the big tube out the top that was meant to exhaust the smoke and the yep. pressure and plastic chunks, I'm assuming, <laughs> that come out with it too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but I just, like you say, I remember you'd shut the door and you'd just kind of stand around the corner and hit it and yep. never any, anything blow up. But there was always like, well, you might want to stand around the corner just in case. <laughs> yeah. You can always tell the, the young engineers as they're staring directly into the panel as you go to pick, <laughs> you pick them up, you move them over a couple feet and said, I wouldn't stand there in front of that when you throw that switch. Right. Uh, a little later, my career, I was a system integrator. And part of that, we were a 508A panel shop. Sure. 
And so we had to go through all the UL specs. I, we built a bunch of panels, and sure enough, I was an electrical contractor, so we had all the 100 cal suits where you'd hate to put them on to go in to do it. Yeah. Trust me, it was the safest way to do it, but you would just lose 10 pounds of sweat inside that suit on the floor, no matter what was going on that day. Especially if it was in Cedar Rapids in a food and bev plant in the middle of August, right? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. With, with yeah. no air at all. Yeah. Right. Um, so thinking back a little bit about the education piece, how how did you get to the decision and, and saying, hey, this is what I want to do? And, and as a parent who's got a 14-year-old daughter running around, like that's a constant discussion for us at home right now. So what what did that look like for you and, and kind of unfold that for me a little bit? Yeah, so originally I started out um, when I was a senior in high school. I got my first um, internship, quote-unquote internship, um, with a company uh, doing software engineering because I, I don't know, I guess I spun the wheel and picked a job that looked like it was well-educated and paid decent money, and that's kind of how I was like, okay, I work with computers, I'll pick this one. And so I sat with them for a couple years doing, you know, various jobs from you're an intern, grab the coffee, to watch the lead programmer, you know, program this, sit in the chair behind me. Sure, Um, sure. And ended up going to Platteville for um, software engineering, computer science, and found that truly I just didn't enjoy it. And I couldn't see myself sitting in a chair programming or doing whatever for eight hours a day. I just couldn't, couldn't find myself doing that. So... I left Platteville, kind of went back home, regrouped, um, and took a look at some of the local stuff that I could do. And I um, took a look at what I really liked and decided that I'd be kind of need to be an electrician and go into something in the trades. And so after doing a bit more research, um, I ended up finding this field through WCTC and okay. got started there with a bit of help from my dad. His, sure. his dad might kind of know something about the industry, too. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah, but that was, I mean, that was a great journey for him to go through. Sure. Right? I mean, um, most kids, I would say nowadays, are kind of programmed that you've got to go to college, you got to do the four-year thing, you got to take in all the debt. Um, but Samuel watched him grow up. I'm his dad, by the way, for those who didn't figure that out. Um was more mechanically inclined. He was more of a hands-on kind of kid. And, sure. you know, he wanted to be a software engineer, went to University of wisconsin Platteville, like he said, and gave that a try and sat in the big classrooms. A lot of us did. Realized that stuff wasn't really practical at times, more yep. hands-on. So he came back and he and I had a long conversation around what I did and some of the stuff I've accomplished. And it seemed yeah. very intriguing to him. And he jumped in the program and he's enjoyed it ever since. And, and what's interesting too, and I've I've had this debate with automation providers for over two decades now, right? Is hey, we want to hire a computer science guy, right? And that's that's okay, that's good, and, and you'll get an interesting skill set out of that. But there's something different from pushing phone apps and UI and databasey stuff to I pushed a button and I moved a thousand ton thing over there right like it, it moves it's it's different right i for me that was the draw that was the like ah this this is neat Not, it feels totally different yeah I mean, even the sense of plc programming to doing anything in c plus plus or you know java and python it's, it's just it's a totally different feel and it's for it sure. feels more practical yeah i can wrap my head around it a lot easier than anything that i could in computer science definitely definitely um 
I guess so, Scott, thinking about that and, and talking a little bit through your background. So started out as a service tech, got into machine building at some point? So it, that's a good question. So go way back. Um, you know, back in school, I got my double E degree and um, didn't know where to really go with it. As a matter of fact, my first job out of school on paper was I was going to write C plus code or C code, excuse me, C plus wasn't even there. I was going to write C code for my <laughs> career and didn't see myself either sitting in a chair. And then I interviewed with this company called Allen Bradley and no idea what they did, but apparently I had people skills. And so I, I met the minimum qualifications of field service engineer um, and, <laughs> and then jumped into the career blind, didn't really know what was going on, um, spent six months in training, then shoved out into the field to work on things that I never saw in training. Sure. And sure. you learned really fast um, how enjoyable the experience is of doing something with your hands, yes. how to get things off the ground and running, um, the joy of working through the stress and the challenges. But they, I was in yeah. field service for five years. And then I started my own system integrator business. Okay. Along the way, picked up electrical construction to do turnkey projects. And then along the way, became a 508A panel shop. And so did that for about a decade, helping, uh, you know, working a lot of food and bev, metals markets, things like that. Yep. Um, let's see, building equipment, building panels, startups, you know, stuff of every system integrator does, right? Sure. All the holidays and weekends you could ever want to work were at our, was at our fingertips. But the pile of money you can make doing that oh, right like, yeah yeah i mean we set you pretty much can almost once you find a good customer and you go build a rapport and you can got your skill set set up you can you can make a big boatload of full money yeah, yeah. sorry so yeah i mean especially nowadays with the market is i would say labor depressed as it is in other words there's there's more opportunity i think than there are people to help yeah um you can make a a boatload of money as an si um you know, there's some travel involved if you want to do some travel. I mean, it's sure. it's a it could be a global experience. Uh, my business partner at the time, he would do startups in Dubai, and you know, even though yeah. we were located in Davenport, Iowa, this little bitty you know curb on the Mississippi, we were still doing global work. Sure, sure. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic opportunity. And then um, went back to work for Rockwell, um, more of in a sales marketing role. Then I was a global product manager for a while. Then. Back to sales and marketing, so. Yeah, yeah. And that's finally where we crossed paths, right? Yeah, so that yeah. Was, uh, that was a fun couple years stint there, so. <laughs> yeah, all things robots and motion control. Right. And Making the fun stuff move. The weird guys in the corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I, I, I guess thinking about, you know, they, they always ask us, hey, what's next? Sam, as you, as you look down the road here, I mean, you, you've got a lot of runway, Mm -hmm. What 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 does that look like for you? What are your hopes and goals? What do you want to do? And I always ask myself, like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Yeah. Um, what, what do you want to do, right? Where does that go? That's a really good question, honestly. Um, I can see myself taking a couple different paths, and it all just depends on, you know, where I find and what I fall into and what I truly find that I enjoy in this industry because so far the program has kind of been a really great crash course into a little touch of everything, but nothing really specializing in any one particular role or another. Sure. Um, I thought about going the, the field service technician route, um, doing the traveling and going around and um, that whole thing. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, I've gotten an offer to, to do um, PLC programming as well, and I really enjoyed all of the classes I've taken in that. Um, so I've, I've considered that route as well. Or um, 
you know, motion controls, making stuff move. For sure. Anything in there as well seems very interesting, so. And the good news is it all overlaps and intertwines. So if you start out with one, it's not like you're locked into it, right? And, and I always kind of make the joke, I was a robot guy long before I was a PLC guy. Mm-hmm. And now I'm the PLC guy trying to tell the robot guys to use the PLC <laughs> instead of a robot controller. So I, I've kind of lived both sides of that. And uh, the good news is if you start with that foundation, and I'm assuming... Uh, your coursework kind of looked like, hey, AC electronics, so you go through all that. Mm-hmm. DC electronics, so down to the chiclets on the board. And mm-hmm. then it's, hey, here's some controllers and maybe a robot or and kind of do something, make it work, right? Program it a little bit and kind of that, is that the, the general yeah, flavor that's of... that's kind uh, of the, the basics of it. We've taken some, some AC basics, DC basics, you know, fundamentals of electricity, um, motors, motor controls a bit. Um, I've done a handful of PLC classes the most recent one I took um, was a lot of fun. I actually had um, eight different sub or eight different subsections to one large um, machine that would uh, build three-way um, pushable pistons, I think, or just three-way um, okay. valves. Okay. And so each student would take one of these different sections and program each machine, and then you'd put it all together at the end of the semester and watch your actual program go through and build something with all the rest of the students. That's super cool. So at the end of it, you had a completed assembly that functioned. Yep. Theoretically, if every everyone else did everything right, <laughs> it should function. But yeah, so I got to pick a couple different machines through there to work on and mess with. And that nice. really sparked my interest for PLC programming because that was just a ton of fun making yeah. stuff move. Like every other startup, he'd come home at night and go, Dad, this doesn't make any sense. Take a look <laughs> at this code. I, I can't get this figured out. Well... Don't use so many uh, JSRs in your code. I know it's a cool function. You can use it, but yeah. you might want to take those out. Maybe a few less latches, you know, for those that might have to troubleshoot it someday in the future. So, oh, you know, man. some of those stuff that we've learned the hard way, right? Um, but, yeah, it was it was a great experience to watch him come home excited. I made this move. I made that, yeah. that, that do yeah. something. And then the joy and the pain of having to get all the components together, right, and all your classmates to do their job <laughs> to get their stuff together so you can make the whole thing work. Yeah. Um, took me back to my system integrator day, sitting there with my arms crossed, waiting for the OEMs <laughs> to get oh, their yeah. stuff done so my master PLC could finally talk to their stuff when they got around to it. You know, our deadlines never moved. No. No, no. I, I had to be running by 5 a.m. Monday, regardless <laughs> of what everybody else did. So, yep, told my wife, yep, I'll see you sometime Monday afternoon. You know, just just have to go do it. Maybe. But maybe. Right? maybe. <laughs> maybe. Assuming, Assuming it all turned on too, the right, right way. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... That's the cool part of the program. Plus, um, I think you guys get into pneumatics, hydraulics. Yeah, yeah. I've done some fluid power systems. I've taken a, sure. a, a class in pneumatics, hydraulics. Um, I have yet to take the robot ones yet, but I know we do a bit of work with FANUC robots um, and some other ones as well. That's sure. about the end of my track. Okay. And then the very final class is really cool, and it puts it all together. And so you take a system with another couple kids over the course of 16 weeks, and you essentially build a machine and do all the, you know, the wiring, do the, all the PLC programming, and then make sure it all works. And then I think it gets presented in uh, one of the museums around here, like a museum of science or something like that. And okay. so they go up there for uh, a weekend or something like that from what I've heard. So is it pre-configured for you that, like, 
hey, it has to do this, or do they just hand you a bucket of parts and say, figure something cool out? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. Okay, I quite okay. There. So that's going to be the very final one that I take. I've just heard snippets and talks from other people yeah. who have done all the classes and, and so on. I'm pretty excited looking forward to that one. Well, I, I'm hoping I get to hear what that final thing is when you're done. <laughs> I, I mean, that's one of the ones I was just up at where I went to school for a curriculum meeting, and uh, we, we got to see some of the projects that they were doing, right? And yeah. some of the kids had, like, shop uh, or yard trailers, right, or wagons and things, so they were welding them and the fixtures and all the other stuff. Oh, and cool. It was, it, the, the, the gamut was all over the place, but it was one of those, like, they don't tell you what to do. They just hand you a bucket of stuff and go, figure it out, oh, build wow, something, wow. right? So it's cool. E- even if it's not that, right, it's, it's always, I, I love seeing those because I think, for me, it's interesting to see how far you can get in really... 19 months, 20 months, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't have that summer on the front or the back end. So it's not even a full two years. And you go, a lot of these kids will go from never never understanding why the light turns on when you plug it into the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, hey, I built a system, which is super rad. Yeah. Right? Like, who would have thought? thought of it that way, honestly. The, the amount of actual schooling to the time lapsed and comparatively if you sat me down day to day and for those couple months it's crazy how far you know i've come from like you said i didn't even know what a plc was right or how basic ac worked i had a general vague idea but right going from that to ending with you know getting a job going to plc programming and ending with building an entire system within a group of people is pretty right it's a cool experience and, and i would even say like if i handed you a, a transformer and said figure out how to go from 100 volts to anything else you understand the, the relationship of the coils and mm-hmm. counts like it, it just happens now right <laughs> which is is wild right yeah it, it is and i got to hand down my fluke meter to my son which nice. was nice you know just kind <laughs> nice. of a proud moment from a father to a son right in the industry you know I'm, <laughs> I, I use a smaller laptop now it's mostly full of powerpoint but um to be able to hand it on to the next generation to uh, you know someone's gonna make the food that we eat someone's going to weld the car together the next one we're going to drive i mean it's really cool to see that and you know when he gets out of school it's so affordable yeah to do this program through the community college say it's five grand a year yep i mean it's easy to cover that cost and he'll get out have a full-time job making really good money with no debt without Mm -hmm. a doubt Yeah. yeah And, and the other thing cool, and I don't know about your current employer, but a lot of employers will pay for further education, right? So if you decide, <laughs> hey, I want to turn this into a two plus two or something else, there's those avenues and you might not have to pay for any of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is super awesome. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I know that's a, that's a debate we've been having a lot, right? And you see this in the news today and, and super prevalent of, hey, forgive all of our student loans, and part of me says, well, maybe the company's hiring you. If they really value it, they should pay for it. Because um, we paid for ours. We paid for ours, yeah. Right? And and actually, I didn't pay for mine. I had a company pay for mine. So another go. crazy, unique instance, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Um, but I, I think that's a real, real valid look at it is like, hey, you know, I saw one the other day. It was like somebody graduated with $250,000 worth of loans. Oh, my gosh. Oh my. And all I can think is like, you bought a house, and you didn't buy, like, a dumpy house. You bought a pretty nice house in suburbia. Yeah, yeah, and you've only got 10 years to pay it off, too. Right. Yeah, good luck with that payment. Wow. Yeah, and they're like, well, you know, this $10,000 really isn't going to move the needle for me. And I'm like, yeah, but 
Who taught you how to balance checkbook? <laughs> well, it's, you know, when you bring that up, I had the same conversation with, with Samuel that I, I did the other two kids. Sure. You know, when he looked at his first education, we looked at some of the um, engineering schools around the Milwaukee area, and their sticker price is 50 grand a year. Jeez. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, you're going to probably get some, some, you know, some loans and some grants and bring it down. But I said, let's run the numbers on that, right? Say you don't get much and you're still room and board. You're into that for 40, 50 grand a year times yeah. four. If everything goes well, you know, you're coming out with 152 and like you said, let's calculate that out. Now what you're out, you know, what do you got to make? Oh, by the way, you're probably going to want a house, a car. You, you run the finance with the kid. Then they start to put the numbers together and go, oh my gosh, that may not make a whole lot of sense. And it's always been my philosophy, right or wrong, is that once you get the degree, you make the career. 100%. I've, I've, I've worked side by side with those with no degree or an associate's degree or yeah. master's degree. And I can say without a doubt, they've all brought skills to the table. Um, I've seen those with just hard work and experience yeah. outrun the yeah. master's programs people all day long um, with that right you know, the mechanical mind and the way just to kind of work through problems. Yep. I've always had the philosophy that if you just get that degree, you'll, you'll figure out where you want to go from there as long as you want to work hard. So, Absolutely. And I would say that's been the one. And that's why it's always been fun when we got to work together, right? Because yeah. I was like, I don't really care what you did prior, but man, you work hard and it's fun. Yes. And we always had fun, right? Yes. And and I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And I can say... I don't have to take my shoes off to count the number of people I really, really want on my team ever. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a short list. Yeah. <laughs> but they've, to your point, they've all got varied backgrounds, right? Some of them degreed engineers. Some of them came to tech school with me. Yeah. Some of them master's degrees, right? And and I know, you know one of the guys that's kind of a mentor of mine actually went to school at MIT a million years ago, right? Yeah. Um, but it, that's not what draws me. It's the... Man, on a on a Friday afternoon when things get sideways, he's willing to roll up his sleeves and we're we're gonna get something done, right? And Absolutely. I, that's still where I want to work with people. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, me as well. You know, it's always I always have a passion for solving the customer's problem. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of what angle we've got to get to get that problem solved. For that's sure. What, but that's what's so exciting about industrial automation, in my opinion. You get to see all the problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've seen aluminum and how it's it's um, it's it's built or excuse me, it's made smelted formed. and extruded. Um, I've been in every food plant you can probably name, and I eat, still eat most of it. So <laughs> um, maybe not Jello. That that's that is that's a soft spot. But um, sure. yeah, I mean all the different industries. It's fun to see the the challenges and the problems and sitting with the operators and just trying to understand the line and what they're trying to accomplish and, yeah. and where to go. Um, it was always a challenge around the corner. But it's so rewarding to get it done. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and work hard with people. You know, you're pulling a 30-hour shift, try to get something done. You learn how someone's made really fast after about 20 of those hours. When the sun comes up twice during one shift. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. When you're yeah. living on Red Bull or Monster, you yeah. know, as as your only consumable for for almost seems like a day and a half, you learn really what's inside someone. And just like you, there's only probably a handful or two people I would trust yeah. to to do that work with. Yeah. Yeah. In, in its predecessor, Mountain Dew, for those of you yeah. that are old enough to, uh, <laughs> or Jolt Cola Jolt, was Jolt. the other one. That, take, that takes me way back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So the other topic we've talked a lot about as we've kind of unpacked different discussions is kind of that that tinkering mindset. So um, I, I guess give me the you you said you passed the torch with the fluke. 
Uh, do you have another toolbox? Do you have a toolbox full of stuff? Have you always tinkered? And, and, and let Scott ask that one second, too. Um, I want to say I've always kind of mechanically played with stuff. Sure. I mean, he helped me build my first computer going through that one, so I've always been sort of electronically inclined sure. to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, even when I was considering being an electrician, he, you know, sat down, you know, here's how to wire a light socket, you know. Sure. Go through and do that. Um, oh, by the way, real quick, something for the audience. When you ask your son to wire a light bulb for the first time, don't let him strip all the jacket off the copper. <laughs> I told him just to strip the end off the wire, and he stripped yeah. the entire jacket. So there was just a bare piece of <laughs> copper laying on the bench when I came back 10 minutes later. I'll give him credit. He worked his butt off stripping the wire off, but just don't take the whole jacket off. Sorry. Please continue. Oh, I heard strip the wire. So <laughs> I stripped the wire. Yes, you did. The whole like, oh. wire. It worked. Way to be thorough. Way yeah. to be oh, yeah. thorough. I yeah. made sure that wire was stripped. Right. <laughs> but uh, I'm slowly building my toolbox collection even now. Sure. And he's been helping me out with not only the fluke meter, but, you know, even stuff for work that I need to build. Uh, socket sets, drills, yeah. all that. Screwdrivers, everything you need in assembly, wire strippers, you yep. know. Slowly acquiring the, the collection of tools that I need for the job. And I'm sure it's just going to keep growing as I go. It, it will. And it'll it'll eventually result in a, uh, a basement full of stuff, um, <laughs> which is unavoidable. But, uh, but I think the other th- thing, too, is, like, I think that's super rare now. And I, and I guess thinking about that, like, how many of your friends have a toolbox? Other than the ones that I know that are in industry, not... A ton of people. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. We're old, Scott. We are getting there. (laughs) I don't want to commit to that fully, but you were certainly getting there. I got a little more older on you, I think. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. A year or two. Maybe a year or two. Yeah. So I guess growing up, you you had a toolbox. You were in Iowa. Oh, yeah. It was second nature. um, When I was growing up, I think I probably owned a toolbox probably age of 10 or 12. Sure, sure. I learned at a young age that my dad was not mechanically inclined. Oh. So, oh yeah, so I fixed a lot of things probably age of twelve up, just tinkering things and you know doing things and figuring it out the hard way, right? There, were no, there wasn't a, a, a YouTube when I was growing up. There by the was way. no YouTube. I had I had Britannia. I had the encyclopedias. <laughs> Assuming we had all volumes, um, but not not much to do any wiring or plumbing from that perspective. It, but even like today, if you go into the into our basement, it's yeah. just full of as my wife calls it junk. But it's all very valuable electronics for sure um my i love for example like the raspberry pi it's just a fun little i can tinker with it and do all kinds of fun things with it so so do you guys have a current project you're tinkering with on it um so i'm actually taking um we have a 3d printer as you can imagine too so (laughs) um i bought it for the kids for christmas i don't think any of them have ever actually used it um but yeah right now i'm actually using my raspberry Pie to create a. Um, uh, there's some accessories you can buy. You can actually get shortwave radio through it, and so I bought a little five-inch display on it, so you can actually tune in the shortwave radio, oh. plug in a little speaker, and now you can get you know basically mobile communi- mobile radio, or a little solar panel on it, and go for a walk. You can actually pick up, drop it on the ground, and pick up any kind of radio station or shortwave really? station you want. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an antenna kit, probably plugs into the I squared C port or yeah, whatever for the else most part, is on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, just a little accessory kit, and then you load the software on it and get a little five-inch display. And I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna put in like a little hard side case to make sure. it portable just for sure. fun. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Just you know, the, that's one thing that's fun about that is you can make all kinds of things, right? Yeah. Um, 
all kinds of accessory kits for it. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of one of my many side projects. Yeah, I uh, I bought one and I had all sorts of hopes and dreams. And the farthest I got was loading the uh, <laughs> the Super Nintendo emulator onto it, and I was oh, like, yeah. I can play Mario Kart. I'm done. <laughs> like I wanted to automate my smoker and put like a fan motor on it and data log and web and yeah, I didn't get that far. So yeah, my other side project is with another Raspberry Pi doing that same thing you just said, mm. creating a ROM emulator. And so um, I've got a different hard case for that. Yeah. That's actually got like a 10 inch display on it that once I finish 3D printing the parts, you can, uh, I think I'll have like 20,000 ROMs on it. Oh, cool. And then a bag full of joysticks. Yeah. Controllers yeah. so you can play about anything you want on it. So. so I showed it to my daughter. Yeah. And she's like, Dad, these games are crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they're experienced for sure. Yeah, right. You gotta start somewhere, right? And they show super weird on the modern TVs, right? It's like, <laughs> yes, they what do. is this pixelated thing? <laughs> it was not this bad before, <laughs> but it's gotten bad. Yeah. That is so true. Oh, man. Yeah, and I guess, you know, thinking back to the education piece, and you you highlighted it too, right, with YouTube, um, I feel like it's a crazy time right now where you can can get parachuted into a place and figure something out with very little prior knowledge. Um, But you still need that foundational piece, right? And and I think that's where, you know, this is where education does become important, right, is, hey... Do you understand why the light bulb turned on or not? Because I can show you a YouTube on how to fix the button, how to change a module, whatever it is. But if you don't understand the basics, you're you're hosed. Um, so yeah, I, just me thinking out loud here a little bit as to to what that looks like. But I think it is interesting, right? Because I remember reading 2D drawings and like trying to decipher what was going on in 3D space, and I mean there there was some struggles with that too, and details weren't always great so it was like i don't know what i'm looking at and is that this washer is at the back of the nut like what's on the drawing um and i feel like man we're we're set up for success here now um i guess that's another one do they teach you guys blueprint reading and things like that too that is the one thing that i did wish i got a little more experience with okay um, reading blueprints and schematics and stuff like that because you know, our teachers always say that's like super important. And yes. I've had a, a teacher tell me that he's fixed machines from across the world because he picked up the blueprint and took a really close, deep look at it, and he was able to diagnose problems that the machine might be having just off of, you know, what they were saying the issues were and what the blueprint said. Yeah. And so I did wish, and that's something I'm trying to personally teach myself a bit more, is how to actually read through those schematics and blueprints better than the school has taught me. Sure, sure. And awesome that you can identify that right is like hey mm-hmm. this is something i've heard is important i should learn more about it right and i think you know back to the discussion earlier around different paths right i think that desire and eagerness to want to learn to, to figure the next thing out you i don't think you can teach that right you either want to learn or you don't yeah and and it's um i mean industrial automation is is it's you can go a lot of places with it. I yeah. mean, there's so much in front of you um, from a career perspective. As long as you have that passion to learn yeah. and you're not afraid to get stumped once in a while and figure it out, uh, there's a lot of fantastic things you can do, places you can go, things you can see right. uh, to finish up the commercial there. But um, yeah, I mean, the desire to make sure the machine's running, 
um, to make sure that they're making the production they want to make. That um, you know, just again solving those customer problems. Uh, I can you know going way back. I don't know how many panels you show up and there are no prints in too. <laughs> and so you're kind of sketching them and, and chasing the wires. Um, but I remember as an integrator, right, doing the prints, doing the drawings, you yeah. know, testing everything out in the lab. So, yeah, seeing it from front to back is, is amazing. And getting all the, the construction aspect of it right, too, right? Did you pull all 25 wires or did you only pull 23 and now we're too short? Because <laughs> right. it's really easy to not. You can't add one in the middle of you a can't run, just Yeah, right? or, or stretch it either. Yeah, right, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh-huh. Get the wire stretcher. Yeah. My favorite was uh, doing some Fanuc robot installs once, and we had a, I want to say it was like a one-inch conduit, and one of the cables they wanted to run through, it had like a big D-sub connector on the end of it. Yeah. That no matter how you folded it or sliced it or, like, it was not going in that conduit. And I'm like, well can't we just cut it and then reattach it later? And I'm going, I'd prefer that that be the absolute no. No, you can't. Can you just, like, fillet open your conduit for 30 feet and then we'll close it back around the cable? That might be easier, right? Like, man, I remember, ugh, terrible, terrible instances. Oh, yeah, I've I've seen electricians pull wire and then just strip the jacket off it while they're pulling it mercilessly over yeah. overfill conduits like huh yeah. what's that funny smell what's it smells like smoke coming from somewhere <laughs> like why is the conduit orange it shouldn't be that color so yeah, yeah it's uh <laughs> a lot of determining cables returning cables to get it done yeah you size the conduit right for the motor and feedback cables and watch the grounding watch the noise distance and for sure crossing your 110s and 24s and you know all the requirements to just it's 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 a skill and an art just to get the electrical side oh yeah right yeah. i mean designing the panels determining everything is one thing but conduit layouts yeah making it you know meet code yep. yeah yeah you don't want ul to stop a project so yeah it's there's a lot to learn i mean it's there's always something to learn too, which is cool. And, and speaking of wiring, so this will make you feel a little better. So you stripped off all of the jacket on your first instance. I remember the first panel I wired, I didn't understand any of the fundamentals. So I think I was 16, 17 years old wiring a panel as an intern, right? And somebody's like, hey, you just have to connect the wire from here to there. Um, I didn't strip anything off of the wire. <laughs> and I didn't know why it wasn't working. <laughs> So I got to wire that one twice, um, as you can imagine. But again, like, I had no idea. Like, I, I ran the wire from A to B. What do you mean the light bulb didn't turn on? Um, I don't think I've ever admitted that out loud to anybody before, except for the one guy that was there to tell me, hey, dum-dum, <laughs> you did this wrong. Um, but yeah, I, again, now I would go, obviously. But I had no idea, right? Um, and, and even after that, like I could hook it up, but why did it turn on? I don't know. But the wire's there and it worked. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's wild. Um, so, I, I guess Scott, thinking about kind of the the history and the progression, and, and maybe a little bit of insight into to Sam's future here, right? So, when for you did you decide field service work was not 
your calling for life and and where was your mindset and how did that change for you over time oh the trend is oh so yeah i was in field service for about uh five years for alan bradley which is rockwell automation today right um even as a kid um i always had the desire to kind of see the business side of it right sure injury can be very technical i wanted to kind of see both sides of the world and as yep. a kid I kind of always wanted to start my own business just to see what that experience is like. Yeah. Um, and as I went through that five years of field service, I built up a pretty good rapport. I felt pretty comfortable on my feet. And so I thought it would be a good time to go service the market that wasn't being served by anybody else. Yeah. And that meant servicing like those small shops. You know, there might be, you know, a father and a son and just a piece of equipment in their, in their building, right? Or or a small to medium business that could really use maybe my skill sets at, at the right price. Yep. Um, and so when Samuel actually, let's see, you were two months old. So when Samuel was two months old, like in December, um, I told my wife I just cashed in the 401k. I'm starting my own integration business with a coworker. Okay, we're committed. All so right. yeah. off we went. Yeah. Um, and it was the same, you know, it's, it's a story you probably heard a thousand times. It was, it was um, two guys in my basement or in his basement working on getting some accounts and getting some work done, yep. figuring out, you know, what, what an S-Corp was, figuring out, you know, you know we had a QuickBooks. What's, yeah. what's accounting? So things that you, <laughs> Collecting things that, the check. Yeah. So a PO is not money? Oh, shoot. So, you know, what's it, what's it like to get paid? Yeah. What do you mean 30 days till uh -huh. we get paid? Uh -huh. So all those all those hard financial lessons when you have a large company you're working for, all those layers are stripped away. It's it is bare. Yeah. And you realize whether you're gonna stay in it or not. And uh, we stayed in it, you know, moved around a little bit, but we put in a solid decade oh, wow. as an integrator. So it was just two another partner and I um, brought a third along the way. And within eight years, we were 120 employees and 12 million in sales. Holy cow. Davenport, Iowa, yeah. Um, and then, let's see, that was about 08 when the housing market crashed. Ah, uh, yeah. And so all construction just died, just disappeared overnight, like negative margins yep. on the work. So yep. after a couple of years, got out of that. And then... Uh, was that a big part of your business, was construction? Yeah, I bet I had 100 electricians. Okay, okay. At my peak, yeah. In the, in the market, we were the number two electrical contractor at one time, just Got in it. sure sales and sure employees. I mean, hundred electricians in our market, which is Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois was, was quite a bit of the workforce. But not solely focused on industrial automation, I guess is the- um, It was, we were commercial, but mostly industrial. Okay, okay. That's the other niche we had is that not all of the contractors wanted to do industrial. Okay. It was a bit of magic and a little bit of a uh, little scary to those if you don't have the engineering team associated with it. Sure, sure. So since we came from the engineering, you know, we taught the electricians some of the things about what's what's PNP versus NPN and yeah. how to wire it photo-wise and stuff, which to us seems simple. But honestly, in the trades, they don't do a, a ton of industrial at times. So No, and I remember some of the stuff we had to do when I was at Wago. It was very much, I'm going to say, trades-proofing junction boxes, right? Like yeah. very clear these terminal blocks have three colors on them yes. and you land the wire that matches the color or else, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and it worked out great, right? Because again, yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Um, but once we sorted out some of those things that you're like, oh, 
Yeah, I guess if you don't have a background in this, it totally doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. Um, it, it took us a couple years to build a good crew. Sure. And then we scaled from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in our peak, we had uh, probably 100 electricians. I had probably a dozen engineers and then support and office staff. Um, and then when the market kind of dried up and disappeared, I got out of the game and went back and ended up with a uh, technical sales role. Sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, those were some, those were some great days, some long hours. But you learn a lot about the real world, the business world, how corporate works, stuff that unless you've done it, it's kind of easy to take for granted that the check just shows up yeah. for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, there would literally be weeks, and nobody knew this but my partner and I until now, that you know we'd have $100,000 in payroll to make, and until a customer check showed up on a Wednesday, we couldn't make payroll on Friday. Yeah. That's... It's that's, real. That's right? real. That's, yeah. that's stress. That's cutting it close, but that, was, that happened to us several times. That we yeah. were promised a check and it didn't show up, then if it didn't show up by that Friday, I wasn't going to make payroll. And we we made it, but it was pretty stressful at times. And, and I know we're recording. It's June of 22, 2022, um, right in the, the midst of all of the supply chain shenanigans going on globally. And, yeah. uh, and that's a conversation I've had with a lot of my customers. They're like, look, we have payroll. We have cash flow, right? It's yeah. a real thing. I need your stuff so I can ship this thing so I can get paid in 30 days or 90 days, right? right? Yeah. To, to pay employees. Um, and I remember when I was in the machine build business 15 years ago, um, that was a real concern. Like every month we got a letter from the insurance company going, hey, uh, your insurance will be canceled, followed by one two days later going, just kidding, it's it's still good. And I'm like, <laughs> holy cow, yeah. right? Like it's it's a real thing. Absolutely. Um, and at that point, we were doing a lot of welding robots, and, and the margins were tight, right? It, it, it was a, it was a tough business, and uh, but yeah, as a as a young you know person with a family, and you're like, holy crap, is this normal? Is this? And you don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't you know. don't. Um, but I can't even imagine what it would be like to run it today with the supply chain issues. But you're absolutely right. Like. Until you ship that machine, you're not going to get that next chunk of payment. No. Without that chunk of payment, it's kind of hard to push that downstream to make sure your suppliers get paid, your employees get paid. And yep. that's where cash flow, from an accounting perspective, is far more important than a PO. Yeah. A piece of paper doesn't doesn't pay your employees. It doesn't pay your suppliers. No. You, you need that check, and that's where cash flow is extremely important. You can have a very profitable business on paper, but without the cash flow, that doesn't right. last for very long. We've had some really big POs and no cash. So, yeah, and you know, if if you're lucky enough, like if it's really hardware intensive, maybe you can negotiate a down payment to at least bring in some of it and to, yeah. to cover the start of the project. But it's uh, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's absolutely tough. Yeah, with the with the current supply chain, I it be a bit of a nightmare. I mean, to manage all that without building it. Yeah, I don't even know how you would do that, honestly. People are struggling, yeah, right? And, and I've heard a couple of them say, hey, I'm going to have to partner with somebody I would normally compete with because then we can join forces and ride the wave kind yeah. of a thing. And I'm going, wow, like who would have ever thought that that's where we'd be? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, there was not a lot of love lost. No. <laughs> in, back no. in the day, if you will, yeah. when we had plenty of parts, I, I, I couldn't imagine having to make this. But you know what? I could see I could see you have to make that decision. You know, the employees... Um, become like family at times. And that was the probably the worst part of closing it down was I was going to lose connection to a lot of what people I thought were my family. Sure. You spend, trust me, you spend 
30 hours at a time in the trenches with somebody, you get really close to that community and that group. Yep. And that's probably the most painful part of it. Um, you know, we came out, everybody came out okay, but just losing that connection to the family, like you said, having to partner with one of your competitors, I couldn't imagine back in the day, but if it meant to, the employees got paid and things kept moving along, right. that's absolutely the sacrifice I'd make. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's real, and and I think it's also an interesting opportunity for some of these larger conglomerates where you, you know, they've got the cash flow they're sitting on, you know, the the Scrooge McDuck vault of uh, <laughs> gold coins in the back, and they'll they'll use this time to buy up, and you'll see some consolidation. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's interesting is just the generational shift, right? So I, I hear a lot of stories of people that started their machinery business, integration business, and the, the family doesn't want anything to do with it, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, it's time for me to retire. I'm going to go sit on my boat or play golf and be awesome. Which one of the kids wants to do this? And they're all like, not it, but we'll take the payout. Right. Um, but not it. And it, it's an interesting, you know, that's another one that's leading to some of the consolidation. And uh, I, I can't imagine, but also again, you know, knowing my daughter, like, I don't know that she wants to do anything to do with what we do, right? Um, I hope that she's, you know, she's she's smart enough to, to handle it. But, um, yeah, just a different mindset. Like, that's what dad did. I don't want anything to do with that. Right? Yeah. It's it's dirty, grinded out work sometimes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, have you ever seen the, the lock and pop glue? That was the brand name for it. It was the... The glue they would put on a palletizing slip sheet to keep the stuff yes. from wiggling off. Yeah. So, true story. Speaking of messy and terrible, I was I had to go out and replace a hose on a robot, and of course they told me beforehand, make sure you kill the air to the lock and pop system, or it's going to spray glue all over. So I killed one of the airlines, and I didn't kill the right airline. Again, I still have ten fingers and ten toes, and I don't know how. But I undid that fitting, and man, it was like the the, the Nickelodeon slime factory. Just like, <laughs> and there's I had my toolbox under this robot, and oh, all of the glue goes oh, straight into no. my toolbox, and I went. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> so I got to clean my tools for the rest of the day after I replaced the hose, right? But again, just dumb, dumb luck. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, only one other person knows this one if we're going to start sharing stories <laughs> at this point in time. So we were, um, we were working on a, um, we were at a craft plant. And we were, uh, oh, people now know it probably is pink slime. Back then, it was mechanically separated poultry. Sure, sure. So the poultry comes in a big uh, tote. Yep. In a bag. It's pink. It's pink slime. Yep. And we would pump it from the first floor to like the third floor, and we would make um, logs for baloney. Yep. And to go through the process, right? And so this is the first time we're firing this system up, and we'd run, we'd already run a a shift, and things were going okay. We were going to shut things down to, to dial it in, make a few tweaks. We didn't like some of the screen. So, you know, doing the the cleanup stuff. And so at the end of a shift, they run the pig through it. So basically the pig is basically, um, you can think kind of a cylinder to go in the cylinder, but it's got kind of, it's got the rubber um, gaskets around it. Sure. You load it in, you put air pressure behind it. And what it does is it shoots through the pipe and it scrapes the walls of the pipe all the way through, bringing the rest of that mechanically separated poultry out. Yep. Yep. So it's a mechanical cleaner. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so under, under high pressure. Yep. And so the pipe comes over, it comes down in front of the tote in front of me. I'm standing there. There's a, an operator right in front of me. 
And I'm standing behind the operator. He's got a plastic sheet up. And we're, we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And I'm talking to my buddy on the radio. I said, hey, have you sent that yet? He goes, oh, yeah, I sent it. Huh. Should have should have cleaned up by now. So as soon as I paused, I leaned over to my right. <laughs> around the shield? Where it was, right around the shield. There was a perfect imprint of that operator in front of me. <laughs> Where the right half of my body was covered in this pink, pink yeah. mechanical separated poultry, and and the, the operator looked at me, lost it, just lost it. I had to go take a shower right away. Oh, I bet you There's did. nothing quite like being covered in pink slime at high pressure when you don't realize it's coming at you. Was not a highlight of my career to go get cleaned up from that, but yeah, but that's you know, those are some of the fun stories, right? You pick up and just be yeah. in there doing that. Yeah, yeah. and and you, like you see, you shower, you clean your stuff off, and. Uh, now you've got a cool story, right? right? You yeah. get to tell it, and like 50 people are going to listen to it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so thinking forward, like, it, it, when did you catch the sales bug? That's interesting. You know, um, I come from a family of used car salesmen. I, it sounds really bad to Quite say literally? that. Quite literally? Yeah. So my grandfather sold cars. My dad sold cars. Cool. Their entire career. I didn't want to sell anything. I wanted to be an engineer, right? I wanted to do these things. Yeah. Didn't realize until later in life that I was able to, I could talk to people. <laughs> Which, strangely enough, separated me from a lot of other engineers who were yes. more introverted than I was. Yes. And so, um, really, when I left integration to come back and kind of be, be the technical salesperson, it was really a blend of um, being able to articulate what we could do to solve their problems. Okay. You know, most people think of selling as like just selling a car, like beating them over the head and then, you know, sure. grinding them through on price. Really selling is just, they've got a problem. Yeah. You're there to solve their problem. Yep. That's that's just sales basics right there. And I didn't realize yeah. I had that skill until I kind of got into it. And I, was, I talked to customers, even it was an integrator, going, hey, you know, if we took care of this, this, and this, this would be so much more efficient. He goes, oh, I never thought about that. Give me a quote. I'm like, shoot, I just sold something. Right. right. You don't right. even realize it happens until it happens. Yeah. And then as I ended up back in, in, in technical sales for a couple of rounds, it was that's all it really was. Yep. I never really had to go out and beat down the doors and cold call a bunch of stuff. They have problems. I have solutions. Yeah. Let's let's put them together and see if we can make something happen. And, and that's how I found myself in a technical sales role a couple of times. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And, and kind of thinking about, you know, the path you've talked about, uh, you know, building machines. And I'm, I'm looking at Sam here. You can't mm -hmm. see this as you're <laughs> listening to me. Um, but that was what my thought was originally, too, is I'm like, I just want to build really awesome machines. And then in kind of the sales thing happened by accident, similar, where it was like, hey, I, what about this thing? And then I went, well, that was easy. That was kind of fun, <laughs> right? But when I started out my career, if somebody said, hey, in about two decades, you're going to be a salesperson, I'd have been like, Nope, sure ain't, <laughs> sure ain't. But it happened. Um, but I think that's the other piece too. Is you know, if you're if you can talk to people, like you say, um, and, and I've never found you know, high pressure sales never ever ever works in this industry, nope. right? Nope. Uh, it's a good way for people to lose your phone number or block it completely. Yep. Um, and sometimes it's okay to say, hey, you know, I don't have the right answer, but I know who does. Yeah. And maybe you should go call them. Even if they're your competitors sometimes. It's like, man, I, I don't want to do this, but I know how to solve your problem. You're still maintaining the relationship, right? You're also being empathetic to their need. Totally, totally. And and that's where, you know, coming back full circle to, to supply chain, right? Where people right now are like, hey, I got to buy some stuff off of eBay. And I'm like, 
So I don't recommend that, and I don't love that, but I appreciate your perspective and where you are, and I'm not going to tell you that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. But what do you do? But what do you do? What Absolutely do you do? right. I mean, they've got to... They've got to keep everything up and running. They've got their employees to take care of and their customers as well. So, I mean. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No one, no one necessarily likes that idea. No. But I guess what it is. So. And it's, it's a brave new world with yes, some of this it stuff. Is. It's, uh, yeah. It, and I guess, you know, so, so thinking about generational shifts and questions. So, you know, you highlighted, hey, we had to go to an encyclopedia yep. or maybe the library. Um, when you go, Sam, to, to look up information on a on a button on a drive on a anything you know what where do you where do you start typically or what what would that look like if you if you haven't done it where would you start yeah my first um start is generally someone who knows sure sure. um whether that's you know someone who's in our in our company we've got master electricians generally someone is there who has worked in the project you know started the project who's going to have that answer, but I've taken stuff back to professors before, um, and going back to when I was saying I liked um, getting better at reading the blueprints and stuff, I actually took pictures and prints and stuff like that of the project I was working on and walked them back to my professor and said, what is going on in this? You know, walk me through it. But um, I've kept all my textbooks and all that stuff, and so if I ever have to go look for a specific problem, hopefully... Hopefully, I have paid for those. One of those might have the answer. <laughs> yes. But uh, at the end, Google only gets so specific, I found out, working yeah. on homework for this stuff. You know, you can only get so technical with Google before it just gives up on you. Right, so. right. And, and I guess, so, and this, this flies in the face a little bit of what our marketing people would tell us, right? They would say, <laughs> your people will have everything sorted out on the internet before they call you. And I would still say I'm not I'm not convinced of that, right? And so if you can be that that trusted, whether it's your professor, you know, in our instance, it's the salesperson that shows up on a regular basis, right? If if you have confidence that they know, you're probably going to start with them, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's still a big that's what separates at least today our business from traditional like consumer business, right? Yeah. Like, hey, I need a phone. Well, that Google can spit out all day long, and there's a bajillion different options and colors and shapes, and they fold or they don't, or they slide out now. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't feel like, and, and maybe it's just volume, right? Maybe there's just not enough volume in what we do today. Um, and I think even with, like, you, you Google robots, right, you see the gamut. You see all sorts of stuff from typical industrial, you know, the cobot craze, and then you've got all these people saying, well, I've got a robot dog that can like deliver your pizza three blocks over, and yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, all those are robots, but here's what mine needs to look like, right? <laughs> and it can't quite hone in on it, um, so you got to call the person still. Yeah, so. that, that's that knowledge is very valuable. I mean, it, like you said, even today, and, and like Samuel said here, Google only takes you so far in industrial automation sure. to solve the problem. You might get some videos on YouTube if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think your network comes into play. Yep. And yep. network as in your, your coworkers, like Samuel said, you know, reaching out to those that might know and building and maintaining a solid network yep. is extremely important in our industry. And it can be, you know, the sales guy, uh, the product manager, the specialists, you know, even I saw relationships with people that work at competitive accounts. Sure. It doesn't sure. really matter. Um, you know, it, it, but it is kind of a smaller family 
type of market. I mean, I the relationships I've built with thousands of people I know on LinkedIn or you know all over the globe, but we all bond around this one niche market that has done us really, really well. It has. And I know somewhere in that pile is someone who knows the answer to the question <laughs> I can't seem to figure out. So, and it's not on Google. I can't just go look it up. No, no. And it's not, uh, even with some of the code help, right? I've seen the plcs.com, I think. You can go look on forums, <laughs> yeah. and but it's not like going to Stack Overflow like it is for a C-sharp <laughs> application or Java, right? It's yeah. uh, the much smaller uh, marketplace. So, Anyway, that brings us uh, to about the end of the hour. I guess, uh, you know, traditionally I, I, I turn it over. Any closing thoughts or things you uh, you want to leave with the crew before we hit the stop button here? Um, I don't quite think so. Any, anything you have? Or? I just thank you for your time. Heck and yeah, thanks man. Thanks for letting thank us come chat with you. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of what Samuel's done. You know, uh, test drove something, reset himself was brave enough to step up and go yeah. into something else. Um, he stood with it, worked hard through it. And again, I said it earlier, I can see the improvement, the enjoyment, the excitement in, in doing something I think yeah. he's going to have a long-term passion for, and it's going to keep him well-fed for many years to come. So, um, yeah, find the next generation. Let's we got to keep building them up. Um, I know it's getting thinner out there with some of us old dogs moving along, so we need that next gen. W- without a doubt, and I will say, you know, way you know kind of echo in that way to be open-minded and, and and being okay not having it perfect the first time right i think as a society we put so much thought into i've got to do everything right and, and this is true in companies too right oh, yeah. but hey I, I can hit nine grand slams in a row but if i miss that 10th one ooh, you know you no, you know, fail fast, right? Figure yeah. it out, find your passion, and uh, and rock and roll. So, thank you guys very much, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can do this again sometime, maybe with a little less music in the background. <laughs> but uh, either way, it was still fun. So, uh, for, uh, on that note, we'll uh, we'll shove off. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.